Let's prepare our hearts this morning. We're going to, in a moment, hear an incredible word from Pastor Eric. I like to, in my spirit, just lean forward, get ready, be expectant. Like if you're going to catch a ball, you want to be expecting to catch it and get yourself in a position or else it's going to smack you in the head and it's going to hurt. But when you, you get ready, you position yourself to catch the ball and then you catch it and in football you get a mark and then you get to kick a goal and the crowd goes wild. <laughs> Let's position ourselves to catch something this morning. Awesome. You may be seated with that catching readiness. So we have the absolute privilege of, uh, if you guys don't know, Pastor Eric and Chris Harrison, uh, friends of our church family for many, many, many years. Uh, they handed their church over, how many years ago was it you guys handed your church over? Three years ago. So, uh, and that's doing incredibly well, and they've been released, and they've been, you know, moving around the movement, just bringing life to so many different groups of people, helping some churches who have been in sticky situations, and then coming and feeding and joining uh, people like us. So I want to see you just sat down, but I want you to stand up again and welcome Pastor Eric Harrison up onto the stage. Thanks, mate. Hey, let's give the band a hand. That was absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much. Amen. God bless you guys. You can take a seat. I loved your uh, lead plane. It was beautiful. Thank you. Now, you've got to encourage people, don't you? Absolutely. Amen. Well, uh, the topic I have is how to handle shift. But before I do that, I just want to uh, thank... Uh, Pastors Bruce and Julie for inviting us uh, because we always love coming down here. Um, it's just main reason is we just like the cold water that comes out of the shower. That's the main reason. It's very invigorating. You know, but uh, but uh, we just uh, I just sort of thought that it would be great for us to pray for them. Amen. Because I think they deserve a great break and. Uh, I think they've done just absolutely phenomenal stuff, not only within the context of this community and this church, but uh, all across our movement, which uh, many times uh, you're not privy to the, uh, to the reach that they have and the lives they've actually uh, influenced and changed. So uh, just join with me. We're just going to pray. Father, we just thank you for Pastors Bruce and Julie. We just thank you, Lord, that you have empowered such an incredible couple. Lord, uh, people who have just put their hand to the plow, who, Lord, put their hand in yours and are just pursuing the expansion of your kingdom and reaching lost people, helping people find you. Lord, we pray for them this day that, Lord, as Pastor Bruce is uh, uh, getting ready to, actually sleeping right now, but he's probably getting ready to preach tomorrow. Uh, Lord, we pray that you'll bless him as he just uh, invests into that uh, uh, faith community there in Texas. We pray that you'll give them the most fantastic holiday. We pray, Lord, that they'll have time to relax, unwind, reinvigorate, refresh. Lord, we pray you'll keep them in great health. And we ask your phenomenal blessing to flow over them. Lord, in provision 
and opportunity in Jesus Christ's name. Bless them, we pray, in your glorious name. Amen. Amen. Uh, let's commit ourselves to that. Amen. Amen. They're away for a period of time. Uh, we all need prayer. Is that right? Yeah. I'm glad people are praying for me. I'm glad that this church went on a prayer and fasting uh, vigil for me to come and preach uh, because they've heard me before and they know that I need a lot of prayer and fasting. Amen. So the, the, the title of this message this morning is How to Handle Shift Well, right? And, um, and I understand I just looked at your prayer list. Uh, you're shifting in a whole range of areas. Is that right? Okay, that's five of you are shifting in a whole range of areas. Okay, we're enthusiastic. That's what we like. Amen. And uh, it got me thinking, you know, because uh, I was looking in the dictionary because I was quite interested because there are terms that can sound synonymous, such as change and shift. And oftentimes we find change is thrust upon us where a shift is something we actually make a determination about. And so the dictionary says this, with regard to change, it says the passing from one place, state, form, or phase to another is consequential, right? Whereas a shift literally means to move from one place, position, direction, etc. to another. It's a determination. So one is consequential. We all have change thrust upon us, but to make a shift, there's a determination in us, right? And we can find that uh, consequences in our lives can predispose us to where we make a decision. We're going to have to make a shift here, all right? And um, Christine and I, uh, you know, we've, we've lived in our house or had lived in our house for some 34 years, and uh, we've had her dad live with us uh, all over that time, all right? And um, he's kept me in line the whole time. That's why I'm a really good person, all right? But anyway, uh, last year, uh, he fell and broke his leg. And as a consequence of that, uh, he's now, he just turned 91. As a consequence of that, uh, we were unable to care for him. And so uh, he went into an aged care facility. Uh, and so the opportunity came for us to sell our house. So we had been madly since we handed over church, getting our, our house already for the time when we could sell it because we would never sell it while he was living. He had a granny flat with us. We would never sell it while he was with us because it was just too, you know, uh, you know uh, demanding for him. And anyway, so uh, he went into an aged care facility and Chris and I were just getting ready to sell our house. And then we got this phone call and asked us if we could go and help out the church in Port Macquarie right, just as we're getting ready to sell. And so what transpired is uh, we obviously said yes, and so we go down every weekend, and what we would do, we would madly get our house ready for an open house, and uh, we, would, uh, we would leave on the Saturday morning, and the real estate guy would come in, and he'd do the open house, and we'd, we'd be away down Port Macquarie doing our stuff. But in the meantime, while we were getting ready for that, we were, we were having to get ready to shift and uh, so what we were doing, we were, uh, you know, thinning out all the books. You collect a lot of books when you've been in ministry for a reasonable length of time. And so I had this library uh, up and upstairs, 
And, and I was going through the books, and I won't need this, I won't need that, I won't need this, I'm not going to be doing much, I won't need this and that. And we just, you know, ended up, I gave a whole lot of my books to the, to the church that we'd pastored for those years, because we have a Bible college there, and they had a library, and so that they could have these books put in the library. And uh, anyway, uh, they asked me if I could lecture in the college, and they gave me a couple of lectures that they wanted me to do and I realized oh hang on I've given that book away and, and I haven't got that book and, and I haven't got and so I called them I says have you still got those books and they said yes we've spread them out all over the tables and all the students are able to come and help themselves to them all right which is okay which is all right and I said oh look there's a couple of books that I need and uh, so I went down <laughs> look I found one I even gave away a Bible I'd had for so many years. I had all these notes in the back of it. had an incredible section on it that, uh, uh, for, you know, research. And uh, I'd given that away. And I was trying to relocate all these things. And I realized that what happens, we need to be able to do shifts well. I didn't do it that well. All right? I just sort of looked at stuff and I thought, I don't need that. I don't need this. I'm not going to be doing much now. You know, I'm just... I'm just sort of handed over. I'm just going to speak every now and then at the odd church, you know, and, uh, you know, surf the rest of the time. Well, I have a, I've had one surf, all right, um, since we shifted. We sold our house and we bought this uh, two-bedroom flat, which is great and we love it. And we're right, you know, just across the road from a canal and just five minutes walk up to the beach and et cetera, et cetera. So it's all marvelous, except for the fact that we realized we've given away a lot of stuff that we could have used. And I don't want to rebuy the books, you know. So my whole theme really is how to do shift well. And I was thinking about it scripturally. Who is, who is one of the most significant people who, who did a shift well? And Daniel was the guy that came to mind. You know, because all of us find ourselves in particular phases of life where different situations come upon us and we have to make a determination I need to shift. Even within the context of a church, there come times where we need to, we realize we need to make a shift. Amen? Because the church is not just simply here for our comfort. The church exists to reach lost people for Jesus Christ. Amen? Once I was lost, but now I'm found. And I'm so grateful for it. So it's not enough for me to sit around and sort of, well, you know, just make me better Jesus. No, no. He has this process where he says, you get on the road reaching lost people, and as you journey, I'll make you well. Right? He never waits for you and I to get our act fully together. All right? He just gets us moving. If we will move, he will get us well along the way. So we don't want to look at people and sort of think, oh, they're not ready for this, or they're not ready for that. And there may be elements of truth in that. But if we keep quantifying people by where they're at, we never allow them the opportunity to reach into God to actually, you know, initiate a shift in their lives which will transform and change them. So I'm going to read the whole chapter of chapter 1 of Daniel. Is that all right? Good. Bad luck anyway if it didn't, right? Because, okay. I'm reading now the New Living Translation. And it says this. I'll pick it up from, no, I'll read from verse 1. It says, During the third year of the king Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim and Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. Interesting, isn't it? It says the Lord permitted him, a foreign pagan king, to do something to the people of God because God has a plan. He has to change them, all right? So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered uh, Ashpenaz, the chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. They had a shift forced upon them, or a change, if you will, okay? <clears throat> Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said, Make sure they are very well versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah uh, were four of the young, young men chosen, all from the tribe of Judah. The chief of staff renamed them with Babylonian names. Daniel was named Belshazzar, Hananiah was named Shadrach, Mishael was named Meshach, and Azariah was called Abednego or Abednego, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Okay? But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Very important verse. He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now God had given the chiefs of staff more uh, both respect and affection for Daniel, but he responded, I'm afraid, my Lord, the king who has ordered you to eat his, uh, this food and wine, if you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. Please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. Um, At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food and then make your decision in the light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion and tested them for uh, 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned to the king. So after that, he attend, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of food, wine, and wine provided for others. How many people have done the 10-day Daniel diet? Okay, I'm sorry you failed. All right, because it wasn't a 10-day Daniel diet. It was three years. You've only done a very small portion of it. <laughs> okay, I feel the Lord's calling you, Simon. <laughs> God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. And God gave Daniel the special ability to interpret the meaning of visions and dreams. And when the, the training period ordered by the king was complete, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and no one was impressed, no one impressed him as much as Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them with any 
matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than any of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. Daniel remained in the royal service until the year of King Cyrus. Now, the whole thing is really this. Daniel has special favor from God, and so did these other young men. Right? But they put themselves in a place. They were mindful of God and aware of what was transpiring. So I'm going to give you seven things that help you and I make a shift well. Right? These guys were carried out of Babylon, out of uh, Judea, and taken to Babylon as prisoners. They were of the royal family, and so therefore, uh, the whole thing as far as uh, King Nebuchadnezzar was concerned, is having these guys here was really a statement of his authority and power over nations he had conquered. It wasn't just that he was looking for some really great guys. It was statements that were being made that those that he had incarcerated, he had now brought into his service, trained them in all the knowledge of Babylon, but God had a plan in it. Amen? So whenever we find ourselves in a position where a shift is being, uh, you know, come upon our lives, you and I need to follow a number of rules. Number one, we need to accept this is the way it is. Amen? Acceptance is a phenomenal thing. If we cannot accept the state that we're in, the situation that we're confronted with, we will find ourselves wrestling all the time with it. We have to believe implicitly that God has a purpose and a plan in our lives. And if we find ourselves in a situation where we are needing to make a shift, we have to come to believe, God, you're in this. I don't understand it. I can't quite figure it out but I committed my life to you and therefore I believe implicitly that your hand is upon me and you are working in the midst of this. And so we have to simply come to a place of acceptance. Otherwise we find ourselves continuing to just wrestle against the whole thing and we can miss what God is doing. You imagine Daniel being brought into that situation and he just continues to wrestle against it. I'm not going to serve the king. He took us all prisoner. He's taken stuff out of the temple. This is an evil king. I'm not going to do anything for him. Daniel would not have lasted long. He would have been beheaded. And I think sometimes we find ourselves in situations that we can't quite figure out. But we've got to come to a place of faith. Amen? You're in this, God. I don't get it. I can't quite figure out. I don't understand my circumstance at this point in time. I was believing for this, but here I am here. It seems contrary to everything that I was going for. But i got to accept that, God, you're in this thing. The next thing is be informed. Right? Let's get informed. Learn as much as possible about what it looks like for you. Now, I realize recently you guys have done a thing on discipleship shift with a, a, a new program that's been uh, introduced and about running your connect groups. And one of the important things is this, we have to be informed. Amen? We can't just blindly step into it. We need to be informed. You know, find out what, what is this all about. And, uh, you know, so I decided, because I was unaware of the program that you'd done, I decided, well, I don't have time to read the book completely. So I just looked at... Uh, 
five videos that Jim Putman brought up about discipleship shift. Watch them all. So now I'm informed. All right? And you're informed. But the whole thing is, is for us to get informed. Daniel got informed. He made certain decisions. He wasn't going to compromise on his faith. And so he asked the, the chief steward, he says, can we eat this instead of that? And the guy says, well, if this happens, this happens. So, so Daniel had a way of doing it. And as he journeyed on, he found favor with the chief steward who actually assisted and helped him to grow in the knowledge of this particular culture that he now found himself embedded in. <coughs> and so he was able to negotiate it in a way that was productive. If you and I get informed, we find ourselves able to negotiate, you know, the circumstance we find ourselves in, whether it's connect groups, whether it's finance, whether it's your uh, career, uh, whether it's relationships, whatever it is, get informed. Get informed about people. There are people in your church, there are people in your connect group. Get informed about them. Find out what's happening in their world because then you're able to more effectively minister to them. You're able to more effectively empathize with them. You're able to more effectively connect with them. Connect. connect. Amazing word. Amen? That's the whole thing with a connect group. It's about connecting. It isn't just about a Bible study. It's about actually relationally connecting. It's actually finding people that, that you can uh, relate to and able to journey with. It makes a massive difference. Queen Esther, in chapter 2, verse 15, when she found herself herself in a similar situation as Daniel, thrust into uh, a culture that was contrary to who or what she was raised in, sought information. And she asked uh, the guy who was looking out for her, and he gave her informants, says, when you come before the king, this is how you want to come. This is, this is what you want to do. So that she gained greater favor. God was in this. We may have trouble with our heads trying to work out, well, how does this all work together? God's in the midst of all of this stuff because he has a purpose and he has a plan to outwork. And God's in the midst of this church. God's in the midst of your life. God's in the midst of whatever's going on in your world because he has a plan. Amen? Get informed. Find out what it is that you need to be doing more about so that you're able to deal with it effectively. Purpose. Everybody's looking for purpose. It's probably one of the biggest drives in humankind. They want to find a meaning for their life. Amen? You want your life to actually count. You want it to matter. So you and I, we need to look at our shift that we're making. We need to find a legitimate purpose in it. It's not just change or shift for the sake of it. There has to be purpose in it. What is the purpose in it? All right? Service, excellence, survival, whatever the case might be, what is the purpose in it? What is my purpose in it? So, for example, you've just done this shift with regard to connect groups. Your question is, what is the purpose in it? Because if you can find a purpose in it, 
that is effectual, you will find that you will lean into it more than if you're just standing back watching it happen. Well, you know, we've done this before. Yeah, we'll just see what happens. No, find the purpose in it. All right? Because God's whole purpose is literally the transformation of souls. Your transformation, my transformation. And so if we can find that purpose in it, then you and I begin to apply ourselves to the thing in a far greater way than we would otherwise. So the thing is this. Okay, what's the purpose in this? What's, what's the purpose in the connect group? Okay, we're trying to help people find belonging. We're trying to help people find direction. We're trying to help people unravel elements of their lives. We're trying to help people find relationship so that we can journey it together. One of the interesting things I find with Jesus, he never sent anyone out on their own. Yet in humankind, we find that what we tend to do is we try to isolate ourselves at times. I was talking to someone the other day. They were telling me about Scott Morrison is looking to uh, put together uh, you know, funding to help people who are lonely in our society. That is what has transpired. We now have a society where people are isolating, becoming more and more alone and are lonely people. And when that happens, we find that we end up with all sorts of psychiatric situations that transpire in a person's life. But we're the church. Amen? That's why we have a connect group. If you're not in one, see John. He'll help you get there. Amen? This just an advertisement from our sponsor. All right? <laughs> find the purpose in it, whatever it might be. All right? If you're shifting a job or whatever the case is or shifting a locality, find a purpose in it. What does it do? Does it put you somewhere that enables you to more effectively reach people? Find a purpose in it because then what hap- that helps you make the shift. Amen? It helps you make the shift. You don't end up with a whole sense of, you know, of loss or regret. You find something that you're leaving, you're letting it go, and you're moving forward because you have purpose in where you're going. There's nothing worse than when you make a shift and you regret it and you're looking back and thinking like me with books, right? And you look back and you sort of, why did you do that? I need to find the purpose. Amen? This next point may sound similar, but it's different. Same, same, but different. All right? God. Find Him in it. Amen? Find Him in it. You can find a purpose in it as in, okay, I'm, I'm developing my skill set or whatever the case might be, but find God in it. I thought of Daniel. I thought, what must have been going through his brain? Having seen all of the nobility from Judea taken or taken out of Judah to Babylon, I wonder what must have been going through his brain with regard to God. He's abandoned us. He's left us. God's failed us. And, and a faith crash. Because many of us experience those things, don't we? When something hasn't happened the way that we anticipated it would, we have a faith crash. We have a feeling sometimes, we look around at people and we think, oh, God's more for them than he is for me. But what we have to do, we have to 
continue to come back to the thing, except what is transpiring. God is ultimately in control. Then let's find God in this thing. Right? Let's find God in this. So Daniel made a decision. I'm not going to defile myself with the food that they're giving us to eat. I'm going to continue to eat what we've eaten. I'm going to eat kosher food, clean food. And so what he did, having made that decision, was also a determination in terms of his belief, faith in God. And we find that God began to give them favor. He had favor with the chief steward. And the next thing we find that they begin to find the purpose of God in it. Daniel, in his time in Babylon, there were four kings that he actually ministered through. They would come, they would die, another would take his place, but Daniel was still there. In the royal house, they would come, they would die, and then the Medes came. Darius the Mede came. Daniel was still in the royal throne, or the royal uh, uh, household. Darius came, he died, then Cyrus came. And Cyrus was the king that released the children of Israel back into uh, Israel itself. Open the door. After 70 years of captivity, Find God in it. He's there. You know, He's there. And those who search for Him will find Him. And you may sort of find, okay, we've got to find God in our connect group. We've got to find God in our music team. We've got to find God in our community. Whatever it is that you're involved, find God in it. Because you find that with Daniel, if you go through his story, it's the most phenomenal account, you find that God is always moving through him. Does he have great days? No, some days at the office were terrible. One day he was thrown into the lion's den. All right? And some of you feel that's what happened to you at times in your job. You feel like you've got thrown into the lion's den for whatever reason, but God's in it. Amen? God's in it. Because we sort of go through faith crises. Where's God in this? How could this happen? He's there. Fifth thing, attitude. Our approach to the process can be transformational, right? So the thing is, our attitude is everything. It's a, a, a phenomenal thing. We can embrace it. I like what Simon said, step into it. You're on your right foot, as Pastor Phil says. Be expectant, right? Because if you're expectant, God will speak to you. If you're not, it can just pass you by. It's just, oh, when's this going to get done? Flipping it on a coffee by now. It'll be all right. It'll be okay. Coffee's still on, right? But we lean into things. We have an expectation. We begin to see things. God begins to speak to us. You know, when Jesus turned up at uh, Nazareth, it says in Matthew 13, verse uh, 68, uh, thereabouts, it says, that he didn't do many mighty miracles there because of their unbelief. No expectation. Familiarity. Oh, we know, we know. Jesus, he, he's a chippy, you know. He knew his mum and, and his dad and his brothers and sisters. What can he do? He's, you're not the Messiah. You're just a naughty little boy. That's, that's another version, all right? Okay, but the thing is this, if we're expectant, if our attitude is expectant, God will speak to us. And even if it's not expectant, God will speak to us. The only difference is, will you hear him? Amen? 
Will you hear him? Because that's what it says in Hebrews. It says, harden not your hearts as in the day of propagation. Because when he spoke to them, he says, they did not hear, right? They become dull of hearing. And the more God speaks to us, the less we decide to respond to it, the deafer we get. Be expectant, right? Have a great attitude, right? Embrace it. Be active and engaged in it. Yield. You know, we sort of think, uh, you know, use the term expectant uh, or acceptance at the start, but yield. In other words, be passive and flexible. There are two things. They sound like they're contradictions or a paradox, but on one side, we're embracing it. On the other side, we're yielding, right? So one is an activity where we're embracing what God's doing. The other side is we're yielding to the process, amen? We're flexible. God can do what he needs to do. I can shift. I can change, all right? And that's what Daniel and, and the boys did. They're, in one side, they were embracing it, right, expectant. And the other side, they were yielding to the process. They weren't fighting against what had transpired. There they were in captivity. What are we going to do here? Let's make the best of this. Let's make the best of it. Let's yield to the process, all right? Let's be flexible up to a point, up to a point. Daniel was flexible, but up to a point, right? And the point was simply this. He says, I'm not going to eat unclean food, all right? but I'm going to go with the process. You know, we'll do everything else and, and it just keeps turning for them. So yield, the sixth thing is surrender, all right? Surrender yourself to what God wants to do. You know, stop looking at what's happening with other people's lives, right? Live your life in response to Jesus. Mary and Martha are a great relationship and Luke 10, it just talks about them where Martha's always looking at Mary, but she's not helping, right? And so in the end, what we do is we actually rob ourselves because we're too busy looking at what other people are doing or what's happening in their world, and we're making the comparisons, and comparisons are destructive. When we compare what is happening in someone else's life, right, and what's happening in ours, we find that it robs us of faith. It robs us of expectation. It causes us to form an attitude of resentment against someone else and even towards God. So the thing is simply, well, let's just surrender to this thing. Let's just surrender to the process, all right? And finally, this one, support. Both seek it and give it. Amen? Both seek it and give it. There are people all around you in your world who are able to support you with words of encouragement or direction or whatever other uh, skill set they may have, but there are people all around you who can support you and help you to achieve what God's called you to do or help you to make this shift well. Okay, so that what we do is, is we don't find ourselves, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of, lost or meandering in the path, but we find there's support there to strengthen us, to help us, to guide us, etc., etc. But having received it, or even before you even receive it, support others. Amen? We all win when we all win. Amen? We all win when we all win. Write that down because that's a piece of uh, logic.
But if I help you win, I win. Amen? It says in Acts, it's better to give than to receive. In other words, it's saying that, that we always, even in our giving, we always receive. We feel better about ourselves. We feel better about someone else. So you win, I win. Look for support. Daniel did. He asked the chief steward. He would just get support from different areas. He was clear with it. He was, you know, wise with it. But he had support. But he also gave support, right? And he had his, his three buddies. And they found themselves, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Or Abednego, as I prefer it, all right? Um, these three guys, they, they journeyed through that whole time together. Support. We'll never do it alone. Amen? That's why church is such a phenomenal thing, because we'll never do it alone. If you're not in a connect group, get in one. If you don't know many people, hang about, because we're going to have coffee, and we'll all get to meet, and chat, and talk, and right? And everyone's got a piece of information or a part of the puzzle that they can give to you and I that help us in our journey. Amen? I may not have your part of the puzzle, but I've got my part, and I'm prepared to share that. And if you share your part of the puzzle with me, that helps me. I help you, right? And we all get that support. So let me conclude with this. I'm doing pretty good, actually. Because <coughs> they warned me. He says, if that little timer goes red, there's a floor that opens up here, <laughs> right? Because people here, they told me people here are really quite serious about their coffee. <laughs> Amen. I, I know, I know, John, I know, I know. So, in conclusion to this, in doing a shift well, let's accept what the situation is. Amen? Let's, let's be informed. Let's find out what's happening. Let's find legitimate purpose in it. A legitimate purpose. Let's find God in it. Amen? Develop and approach it with a great attitude. Surrender yourself to the process. Get support and give support. Amen. Now you might be here this morning and never ever receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But I want to say to you, if you're here, you're on the threshold of making a shift that can be just so life-changing for you. And not only for you, for others in your circle. So I want to suggest to you this morning that you yield to the process, that you lean into it because God loves you and He wants to come into your world. You may have thought that God wants nothing to do with you because of the circumstance you found yourself in. But Daniel, the prophet, could have thought like that too, but he found God in the midst of it. And I want to suggest to you that right where you are, whatever your circumstances, however bad they may appear, I want to tell you that God's in the midst of this. He hasn't caused it, but He can certainly help extract you from it and transform and change your life. But you have to make a choice for Him. He won't force it upon you. It's your name he's calling this morning. It's your name that's on his lips. 
It's you who matter. And God is for you. He's not against you. And so could I ask to have every head bowed in prayer, every eye closed right now. If you are here this morning and that's where you are, you've never received Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. But today as you sit in the service, you realize there's something missing in my life. I've tried to fill that void, I've tried to fill that gap with all sorts of things, but it never adequately meets the deep ache of my heart. And I want to say to you this morning, the only one who can fill the deep ache of your heart is Jesus Christ. And He's knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to come into your life. He won't force Himself in. You actually have to invite Him in. And so if you're here this morning, I want to invite Christ into your life right now. I just want you to simply slip up your hand just to indicate to me, yes, Eric, that's me. I want to tell you, Jesus took away everything that prevents you from coming to a saving encounter with Him. He washed away your sin. He's taken everything to make a way for you to make your way to Him. Right now, if there's anyone here this morning, you've never, ever received Jesus Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior, but would like to do that, just simply slip up your hand. Or if you're here this morning, and you once walked with God, but you've been away from Him for a while, but today you find yourself in church, and you realize you need to recommit your life to Him, just simply slip up your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Holy Spirit. The other thing I'd like to do before I hand back to Simon is simply this. If you're here this morning and while I was talking, you actually find yourself in this situation where there is a shift happening in your life and you feel that you would like prayer regarding that. After the service, I'd love to pray with you. Amen. So if there's anyone in that category this morning, just simply slip up your hand just to give me an indication. I'd love to pray with you. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Holy Ghost. Amen. Directly after the service, we'll just pray for you. Amen. God bless you, church.